Hello ladies and gentlemen, it's Matthew Anthony Hawkins here with another Around Town in Chilliwack podcast episode. Around Town in Chilliwack is a podcast series about interesting, unique people doing great things in Chilliwack. I recently had a chance to sit down with Shannon, Chilliwack's archivist, talk about her work and what she finds interesting in the history and town of Chilliwack, British Columbia. Have a listen. Hi, Shannon. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Good. Thanks Why for you... having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming. Why don't you tell us uh, who you are and what you do, where you work, all the good stuff. Okay. I'm Shannon Bettles, and I work at the Chilliwack Archives, and I'm the archivist. Archivist. Yeah. And when you tell people that, do, do they like look at you like... Yes, I describe it as crickets start chirping. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you ever get like Indiana Jones crossover there? Like people um, wondering? Sometimes. Mostly people just don't know what else to ask. So the conversation kind of changes direction. But yeah, um, I don't mind. Yeah. I didn't really know what it was growing up too. And How long have you been in this role then? How long? Um, I've been Chilliwack's archivist for about eight years now. Uh, I came into it through museums. Uh, okay. Working in museums across... Canada and things. And, okay, cool. What yeah. uh, museums were you working Well, I, I started volunteering at the Langley Centennial Museum. I was from Langley, and after I did my undergrad, I wanted to get some experience in, I mean, I took my BA in art history, and I thought, well, what can you do with an art history degree? And so I started volunteering at the, the, the Langley Museum, and I, I really liked it. So, nice. um, yeah, I took more school, and then I worked, I worked in Scotland. Wow. That's where I did my um, postgraduate diploma. Yeah. And I worked at the National Museum of Scotland there in an art gallery in St. Andrews. And then I moved to Ontario and I worked at the Halton Region Museum, the Guelph Museum. Um, I think I did a bit at the Owen Sound Museum, uh, Oakville Museum. So a bit of contract work, which is kind of typical in the field. Right, for sure. Yeah. And then eventually Chilliwack. That's right. We got started right away in our conversation. So I had to ask Shannon, what is something that she's working on right now that she's really proud of? The thing that I'm most proud of that really is a, is bigger than just me, uh, my participation in it, but the Chilliwack Progress was digitized a couple of years ago, I guess it's two years now, Yeah. Uh, which was which totally opened the door for, for research um, in more efficiently and effectively. Right. Um, so we had the papers digitized from 1891 to 2007, and um, that's just an excellent resource that has helped us, has helped the community, and it's a big project and really kind of an exciting thing to be a part of. So did you know that? Did you know that the Chilliwack Progress was available online for you to search and find things that are 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years old? Things that uh, you know have been a part of Chilliwack history for a very long time and you can find it on your own computer at home. Did you know that? Because I did not know that. This is This is pretty cool. I had a, this was a great conversation and, and you got to continue to listen to what Shannon has to say about technology and history. So when you say digitized it, yeah. what, what was that process? Like, what were you guys doing? So the, we have the hard copies of the newspaper and we also have them on microfilm, but you can't keyword search those things. You can't, yeah. if you wanted to do research on, I don't know, lacrosse in Chilliwack, you would have to go through every newspaper looking for the word lacrosse. But since they've been digitized, which means putting them into digital form, so taking the microfilms and scanning those, 
um, taking digital pictures of them, uh, as well as um, doing a process called OCR, which turns the text. What, is, what does that stand for, OCR? Okay, I'm, I'm quizzing quiz. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it's optical character recognition. Okay. So you put a picture, a uh, high resolution picture, into a software that takes all the black marks on the page and recognizes those as characters okay then forms them into words so that when you wow. type in a word it can locate that on the page do you find that cool in your profession um where you're you're archiving history but you're using like the latest technology mm-hmm. with what you're doing like that's yeah. so ocr sounds really cool mm-hmm. like how you're letting technology do its work yeah. so that you can preserve it for yeah. the future and it, it preserves it in so many different ways not only can you now see it on a computer? You, you don't have to handle the original, which preserves the original. Right. So it's a preferred method, I think, of a lot of people who can now look at archival things from home. Um, and it, we like it because it means less handling of, of things and less exposure to damage or light. Yeah, So it's sure. kind of a two-way win, but uh, it, is a, it is an intensive and cost costly process, um, time intensive. So we have lots more to digitize and, and many more years that will happen over yeah. As I get older, one of the things that I need to learn is more of an appreciation for history, knowing where I've come from, where my family's come from, knowing my roots. Uh, I think having that understanding um, and appreciation uh, is really important. It it helps cement who you are. Uh, It helps you in making your decisions. Uh, You know, maybe you have um, a brother that's a, a bit of a dork and you know, I don't want to go down the same path. I don't want to do the same thing. I don't want to follow the decisions and choices he's made in his life. Um, that helps cement you in decisions that you make in the future. So you're able to move forward. Um, maybe even you're, you've got a long lost uncle or, or grandparent, and um, they've made some really wise decisions in their, in their business, in their real estate uh whatever it is that they did, um, you can look at it and see how they did things. Just because it's 100 years old or 50 years old doesn't mean that there's still not something that can apply to you today. There's always something you can learn from past decisions. Uh, so understanding our history and knowing where we came where we came from, I think, is very important. What's something in the museum, the archives, that for you gets you really excited that that you get to see handle that people probably don't um, know about? Mm-hmm. Well, there's lots of different things and it depends on a person's interest. Um, I really like BC history and the documented history in the records. So some of the things like um, diaries or, or personal letters uh, kind of get me. So we have a letter home from Piper uh, James Richardson, who um, is a Victoria Cross uh, recipient, who is a statue of um, at the city hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a letter that he wrote home to his mother on Christmas, and it's it's the original paper and the pen, and we wow. can hold that in your hand and know so the story. So that would be from what year? Uh, I think that's 1914, but I, I don't quote me on that. I'd have to check, but around the around Great there. Warriors. Um, so we're like roughly 100 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you could hold that in your hand and the original. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. I like that part of my work. Is there anything in that letter that sticks out that you can remember? Um, it's it's more just that it's, you know, a person writing home, you know what would happen to him, you know, that he wouldn't return from the Great War, um, that he would lose his life looking for his lost pipes on the battlefield and then be recognized for his bravery. And he was so young. Um, yeah. That's, and 
just to see that person. How how old would he have been when he wrote that letter, roughly? Um, I know I'm totally to quizzing yeah, you on this. Yeah, I don't want to get anything wrong. I think he was um, a young man, 18 or no, no longer more than 20 or yeah. 21. I'm not. I'd have to confirm that. So like fresh. Yeah. So just like a lot of young people going to war. I mean, we send children to war. We don't send grown adults necessarily. Yeah. We most in, in the old olden days, it was. It was young men who went to Chilliwack High School, for example. Or yeah, and just graduating. Kids, yeah. and I'm sure like some of them were like eager, right? Yeah, they wanted to prove themselves. Absolutely. And... Yeah, and we now know what ha- would happen to a lot of them. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So is there other letters like that that come across yep. here? Yep. Um, lots of, there's lots of diaries, which are neat too. So hearing per- people's personal um, travels across Canada to get to Chilliwack. Um, some things are funny, so... Um, uh, what the price of potatoes was, you know, they marked that down in their diary. Really? Yeah. Hearing about these stories uh, from wartime, from World War One, you know, 17, 18 year old guys that are uh, shipped off from school, you know, almost inevitably to their death. It's unfathomable. Uh, just driving past Chilliwack Senior or Sardis Senior or GW Graham today, can you imagine? Um, you know, most of those kids getting shipped off to war and almost expecting that uh, they won't come back. It's that's crazy. That's crazy to think of. And being able to have Shannon um, share these stories from these letters, uh, it's, it's pretty cool uh, to see where we've come from as a community and as a country to understand the sacrifice that these people made, that they gave up so much of their life so that they could fight for our country. It's it's pretty amazing. You can't have anything but respect and admiration for, for people like that. Yeah, we have some oral history recordings, which are pretty neat. Yeah, um, yeah we talked about this earlier. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about that. Like who went out and did those those recordings, those interviews. Yeah, so the collection of the Chilliwack Museum and Archives was started by Oliver and Casey Wells, so brothers um, whose uh, father, A.C. Wells, came to Chilliwack very early on. And they were really interested in history and really um, immersed in the local local people, local community. Um, And they had a real interest, especially Oliver Wells, in First Nations of the area of the Stalo. Um, so Oliver, in about the 60s, went and round and interviewed local Stalo elders, mm-hmm. and he recorded those. So we have some excellent um, information, recorded information from those elders talking about um, Chilliwack's history and their history and, and their people. So how did they record those back in the day? Like you oh, and I are sitting yeah. here, digital mics, yeah. laptop, like, yeah. um, but back then, what were they using? Um, they would use reel-to-reel recorders, which um, have since been um, migrated into audio cassettes. So I don't know if you're from the 80s and you would tape, you know, the radio songs from the radio onto a cassette, that's, uh, that's what they are right. now. Yeah. Um, and we have been migrating them over to digital format as cassettes become obsolete. It's pretty cool hearing about this project from the 60s, this reel-to-reel project interviewing people in Chilliwack. Uh, I had no idea about this project until um, I sat down and talked with Shannon about it. Pretty cool considering I, I'm i doing something very similar. Uh, Around Town in Chilliwack is meant to find interesting and unique people in Chilliwack to capture them in the present time. Uh, and is it going to be a part of history? I don't know. But uh, I'm excited that 
someone back, you know, 50 years ago uh, decided that they wanted to capture their present time and capture the history of the area. So it was cool listening to Shannon talk about this this project that was at the time probably the best tech that you could have um, as we're sitting around what we think is the best tech you could have thinking that 50 years from now it's probably going to be obsolete and hoping that maybe somebody will be listening to this too in the future. I was excited to ask Shannon this question. Uh, I'm a huge Back to the Future nerd, so uh, being able to ask her where she would go in the past, uh, I found interesting. So you got to listen to what Shannon has to say of all the history that she knows of the area. Where would she go, uh, and what would she? Where would she want to be a fly on the wall in in the history of Chilliwack? Is is there a time in Chilliwack, like with all the history that you know of it now, is there a time that you wish you could go back and set foot in again? Yes and no. I mean, as a woman, I'm not sure some time period <laughs> I might want to avoid. But yes. um, if I could be a fly on the wall or something, I think about, I guess, 1858, the gold rush, when, when this area was very raw, um, untamed, I guess you could say, yeah. wild wilderness. Well, describe uh, it. What would it have been like during that time? Well, from what I can tell, um, first there was Sumas Lake, of course. So you have this um, this wetlands, this, this lake that would grow and recede uh, during the different times of the year. Also, the, the Fraser, we, it would flood um, probably much of which today is Chilliwack. Yeah. Um, so a very wet area, which means lots of um, weeds and what we would call weeds probably now, uh, willows, th- uh, lots of brush, a very thick, um, thick forest floor. Um, 1858, coming to this area, you would probably see very thick uh, forest floor, um, the Sumas Lake receding and growing as, as the seasons. Um, change and then the so when I picture lake like yeah. I think like Harrison or Caltus yeah. like what would Sumas Lake look like back then roughly yeah now I only know um, the information I know from from the records from what I've heard um, from other researchers talk about it so like everybody I have to just visualize what it is but I've heard that it was a sort of a, a dying lake or a receding lake not a very deep lake like Cultus or Harrison right so more of a wetlands and a um, very you know, marshy things and, that come along with that so lots of probably wildlife birds yeah. and things marshy um muddy uh probably the bugs and the mosquitoes there's been lots right. of talk about the mosquitoes and sumas lake um, really there probably would be mosquitoes everywhere really but so what would have been like um people traveling for the gold rush then coming through chilliwack obviously heading up towards hope and mm-hmm. the fraser canyon what would it have been like having to travel through the Sumas Lake area and yeah so lots of grasses in it I think that for since the Hudson's Bay Company in Langley I've heard stories of um, grazing cattle in the area so cows um, and clover and then probably beaten paths because as people came up from uh, the Nooksack area um, USA which would become USA strike that I'm not sure (laughs) details (laughs) so okay so they They'd be traveling up through from the south. Yeah, bringing bring <laughs> cattle up. So part of why Chil- people started to settle in Chilliwack is because um, bringing cattle to the gold fields. 
Um, and so you'd bring them up to the Fraser River where you could then ship them up further. So I think people realize, well, this is also a good place to just kind of have your herds and have your farm and have your cows that you can serve people in the gold fields. And the right. community started developing around um, Sumas River area, Fraser River area. And was, was there a ferry? Um, I'm totally, this is not in my notes yeah. or anything. I'm <laughs> okay. just thinking about it now. Um, over by Old Orchard Road, I think it was, on the Fraser River. There was a ferry to Agassiz. Is that the one? Is that what Agassiz, it was? Rosedale. Where's Old Orchard Road? Old Orchard is over by um, Langley Concrete. And... Oh, right. So that was Miller's Landing. Okay. So that's where um, there was a big rock there. It's called Miller's Rock. Mm-hmm. Now I think the, the concrete people over the years have kind of eaten away at that rock. Right. So it's no longer really there. But that was uh, as the Fraser River would flood, you could pull your you know, steamships right into that rock. So it was a good landing okay. um, for, for steamships and boats that would come up. So steamships, where were they? They're coming up from Vancouver, I guess it New West. Be steamships, paddle wheelers. There we I go. Guess steam I knew what you were saying. Paddle I knew. <laughs> Paddle wheelers, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember being on one in New Westminster. Okay. They had uh, one set up there, a historical one. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few landings. Um, There was uh, Chilliwack Landing, which would be the end of Wellington Road, Uh, Sumas Landing or Miller's Landing, sometimes it's interchanged the name, and then Minto Landing, which is sort of uh, more up near Rosedale. Okay. End of, I guess, Young Road. So the Wellington one, is that why Wellington's formed into sort of the downtown core that's right yep so it was a it was a a easy ride to um five corners in the kind of the commerce district but the first settlement really started out in greendale um miller's landing um that's where the first settlers sort of uh put up their their shop there right Uh, and then moved this sort of the center to more downtown chilliwack I think it's cool to be able to walk around town and be able to point out different places, different buildings, different things that um, are historical. Uh, we're losing a few of those places just because of uh, degradation. Um, some places, they, they can't stand forever. They weren't built to stand forever. The things in Chilliwack, the buildings that are still standing that you can walk by, that you probably drive by you know, every day or you know, a couple times during the week, and they're still there, and they're part of our Chilliwack history. So here, have a listen. I think most people would um, recognize the Chilliwack Museum um, as sort of a landmark building, and that, of course, is the former city hall, Chilliwack City Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a original Thomas Hooper building, 1912, and um, it's a National Historic Site of Canada. So I, I would say that's sort of a recognizable structure for right. a lot of reasons. It's just so grand and yeah you can't miss it yeah and some that people might not know of is is right across the street um from the chillat museum is uh, i believe it's a goldsmith's um shop now but it was uh, a church and that is probably one of the first oldest buildings in chilliwack really yeah so we i that was going to be my next question for you is what's something that's maybe a little bit less recognizable so that seems like because i've driven past that how many times Mm -hmm. and i it looks like an old church yeah so like do you have any more info at all about it i think that's the old methodist church okay so we have some pictures of it and um it was sort of there when chilliwack was called centerville before the city uh came in and centerville yeah centerville yeah (laughs) so we could be from centerville today if it hadn't been changed wow yeah. Other cool buildings were um, 
there's been a lot that just fell into disrepair and has been demolished. Um, so the Empress Hotel, right? It it was the first building to get electricity in Chilliwack when the BC Electric came, cool. and it was um, it was quite a spe- spectacular building at the time. Well, first, you know, they 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 opened the um, they opened it with turning all the lights on, and just like can you can imagine how people would react to that seeing oh, for electricity sure. for the first time. So, how old was the Empress from? start to finish well i believe it came here um when the bc electric railway did so probably around 1910 or 11 um and then it was only i guess the last 10 years that it was demolished so yeah okay so nearly 100 years and it's too bad because that building um looking in old photos Mm -hmm. it was quite the like center of town Mm -hmm. yeah you'd have lots of stories of people who remember the empress yeah Yeah. good and bad yep absolutely (laughs) And so you talked about the electric railway when yeah. that came in. Where Whereabouts was that cutting through town? And- yeah, so the station, um, the Chilliwack station would be where Save on Foods uh, at Salish Plaza is today. Mm-hmm. And there was a big um, substation as well, which helped to generate or transfer the electricity for that. And that is where Xi'an Sports is today, just beside it. There mm-hmm. was, uh, there's now a whole bunch of electrical wires and transformers, so that's where the substation was. So, And then I guess it kind of carried through where, <clears throat> I believe the rail bed is still there and being used, and it would go through Sardis and around what where Sumas Lake was to Abbotsford and to Langley, and then all the way to New Westminster, and I think eventually even Richmond and Vancouver. Listen to what Shannon has to say uh, about what people probably don't know about Chilliwack and our history. So we've just uh, applied for a grant to do a website um, on Chilliwack's Chinatown Mm -hmm. so that we could bring um, that sort of lost history that we just, some people just don't know existed. The Chinatowns in Chilliwack and I remember talking with you about this, that, that you said Chinatowns, plural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's the history behind that? What's... Yeah, so two Chinatowns. So, uh, yeah. And I know we can only get into this yeah. surface level. Like yeah. it's, I'm not going to try and quiz you too much on it. but Yeah, well, I'm going to shamelessly plug a book that um, local historian Chad Reimer, who also happens to be my husband, wrote. And it's Chilliwack's <laughs> Chinatowns, and so is Which why. you can get at the Bookman. Which you can get at the Bookman or the Chilliwack Museum. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's told, taught me a lot about um, our, the Chinese history, uh, Canadian history in Chilliwack. And, that, and he's done a lot of work with archives to piece together um, where these Chil- Chinatowns were. So one was downtown, um, kind of across from where Central Elementary is. There was um, some residences there and businesses that were Chinese owned. Um, and that caught on fire um, and burnt down, I believe, in the 20s. And um, so, and then the community sort of moved to where the Vibe Apartments are today um, mm-hmm. on Yale Road, and so that we call that Chinatown South. Right. And that um, those there was the Chinese Masonic Hall there. There were some businesses and some farms and some residences, and that um, burnt down in 1934. Right. So what uh, what was it that brought Chinese people to Chilliwack to settle? Even right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Like like a lot of other, you know, things happening in the province, um, Chinese workers were on their way to the gold fields. Um, they didn't quite make it there. There was lots of, um, as, as other Anglo-Europeans arrived here and set up their farms, there was need for workers and farms and land needed to be cleared. Um, there was a railway at the time being built too, so there was workers in the area for all sorts of reasons. 
So employment. Um, so a lot of Chinese labor cleared the land here in Chilliwack, um, blowing up stumps and making the land uh, farmable, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of uh, people here who had uh, Chinese workers on their farms. And are, are there any families that are left in Chilliwack that would have those deep roots? Yeah, um, some of them we maybe don't know about, but ones we do is um, the Kostreva family. Of course, um, Dorothy Chung Kostreva, a longtime city councillor and uh, much-loved um, person, a character in Chilliwack mm-hmm. for many years. Um, she, her family um, had property in Chilliwack's Chinatowns, and at the archives we have some of her oral history recordings wow. and some of her records and re- uh, reminiscences of um, growing up in Chinatown. Very cool. Yeah. So, and um, she's the first Canadian, uh, Chinese Canadian woman to hold public office in Canada. So she's quite a woman. And right here in Chilliwack. Yeah. And, Ch- and Dorothy passed away, um, I guess, a couple years ago. But she yeah, was a big too long ago. friend of the Chilliwack Museum and Archives, and I had the pleasure to meet with her many times. Well, there's some pretty quirky things about Chilliwack that I'm sure every community has their stories. But one thing that um, recently came to my attention when somebody brought a sign in about the Rider Lake dewworm races. Really? Yes. <laughs> and so that sounds it, like a riveting yeah. event. And it piqued my interest. And so, um, yep, there was actually Rider Lake Community Hall. was uh, Their money was raised for it through uh, dewworm races. So this was actually an international thing and an really? expo. In 1986, um, Rider Lake had a contingency, uh, a team, in the international dewworm races, and I'm not sure how we did, but um, I guess our worms were pretty, pretty big. <laughs> wow! Fast. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So what do you do? You train your worm to yes. like inch and, along a track. Yes, and they had little paintbrushes that they would tickle the worm to get it going. Um, wow. Yeah. So, Who would have known? Yeah, huh? and uh, of course the Chilliwack Progress we can search now, and um, we searched the paper and found some articles about about the dewworms. Really? So, yeah. Wow. It's pretty, and you would have thought we'd gotten into this before near the beginning of uh, this episode, but Shannon uh, goes through some basic information of what you should know about the Chilliwack Archives, the museum, what resources are available, and where they're available. In Evergreen Hall, which is on Corbold Street. Um, yeah. Right next to the Cultural Center. Right next center. to the Cultural Center. That's where yeah. people kind of go to. They know yeah. where that is. Yeah. Um, can people just come into the archives and and look around and... Find, find out history about Chilliwack? They can. We're open for drop-in Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays from 9 to 4.30. And uh, Tuesdays and thir- Thursdays were there by appointment. So if someone wants to come in those days, just ask the phone ahead. Right. So why would someone want to uh, dig into the archives? Yeah, we have researchers come for many different reasons. Some people are curious about their property history, how old their home was, who owned it, do we have any pictures. Some people are doing family history and their family's from Chilliwack and they want to see what we have. We have authors, people wanting inspiration for books or people writing local history books, Um, students, Lawyers. There's many different reasons people use the archives, and we we preserve things for um, as evidence for longevity. So some things are used for legal purposes. Some mm-hmm. things um, are more popular history interest in people's interest. Right. Um, one of the times that I've stopped by, um, you had. 
people bringing stuff in, mm-hmm. um, asking you to take a look at it. Is that a common thing where people are bringing like pictures or signs? Absolutely. And- yes. And that's, um, we consider ourselves to be passive collectors. So we don't to go out and purchase um, collections or we don't really you know bang on doors. And so, but in that respect, we are sort of, um, Chilliwack is curating their collection in a way. So what we have is what people have decided that we should have. So we re- right. really represent what people want to preserve in Chilliwack. And we don't take everything. We, we it has to have a strong Chilliwack connection. Um, and we are very grateful for the things people bring in. And So what's one of the stranger things you can think of that you might have seen come across your table? Oh, well, sometimes things come in um, with collections. So we've had some little um, locks of hair that's come in that people have <laughs> saved and right. we don't keep that. Um, it, we have more strange artifacts probably than, than archival records. Um, okay, so artifacts, what, what would you have? Um, well, what's coming to mind is a lot of the artificial insemination equipment, actually. Really? Which, um, or um, even which medical is equipment. For the farm yeah, area. Yes, exactly. It is actually a very important part of Chilliwack's history, building the better cow, and how do you how do you do that? And we have some of the tools and things used to make that happen, which is uh, kind of gives some people a little bit of a chuckle, and when they yeah, see it, sure. and but it's an important part of history. Yeah. Um, same with medical tools. Some things. You don't, we don't really know what they were used for until we bring in a doctor and have them identify them for us. Um, yeah. But kind of makes you a bit squeamish. And, yeah, I bet. Yeah. The old medical practices <laughs> were a little right. uh, yeah. intrusive and mm-hmm. awkward. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important uh, in preserving our history. Uh, for me, sure, I uh, probably preserve a lot of the uh, nerd culture, but, uh, you know, having comic books and, and vinyl records... Um, things that are valuable to me, maybe not necessarily valuable on the marketplace, um, something that I can pass down to my kids. I want something physical, not something digital that I can pass down to my kids. So it's cool hearing from Shannon here about how we can preserve. Yeah. So another part of what we do is, um, we provide advice to people about how to preserve their own collections. So we understand and appreciate and respect that there's people out in our community who are also collecting either Chilliwack things or or other kinds of collections and that's wonderful and we are also collectors so we are kind of the same Um, and we can provide advice on how to care for their collection so um, don't put your photos in an attic or in a basement for example so temperature and humidity can um, affect how things last over time what what should you do with your audio cassette tapes and your records and can or should you preserve them and what about the legal um, things like copyright and um, uh, licensing the things that might come along with um, some of the things you might have in your house and and that's the kind of advice we don't we don't mind at all when people bring things in and sometimes people want us to identify something and wh- and what it is and and sometimes we can do that if we have similar collections or we could advise on where you might go to find out more about your collections and so it's Very kind cool. of it's pretty cool to have see all sorts of other things so if someone's have. you know uh basically takes over an estate for mm-hmm. grandma or grandpa or great yeah. uncle and they're not sure about it it obviously has some tie in chilliwack mm-hmm. they can bring it in and say hey yes. can you help me place this and yes and please do because we see so many times where collections are split up and dispersed or 
somebody just uh, can't store it and so they say oh i've had that but i threw it out and we kind of cringe I bet. Oh, just you're cringing right us. now just thinking yeah. about it yeah and and sometimes even if we can't take it maybe it's something to do with burnaby we'll we'll call, um, recommend that they talk to a burnaby museum and see if that's something that can belong there so from going from um recording history onto like audio cassette mm-hmm. or reel to reel eight millimeter camera mm-hmm. um, now we're moving everything digital yes is is there a bit of um what would i'm not sure what the word would digital be. anxiety maybe yes there we <laughs> yes. go you know you know what yes, i'm talking about absolutely um there's no hard copy now. no and this is, go- is a major thing that archivists and librarians are um, focusing on going into the future and trying to, I think a lot of developer system developers are now building things so metadata, so data about the data can be captured at the time of creation so that somebody doesn't have to later go through millions of electronic files and name them and figure out what they are. Right. But that that didn't happen all the time. So. Um, loss is a big thing. So, how many photo- electronic photographs do you have on your computer, and what happens when you get a new computer? Are you going to migrate all the that those photos over, or are they going to disappear? And hard drives um, only last for about five years. So, you know, are you going to back up your backups, and, right. and are you going to print them all? And printing technology isn't so, necessarily yeah, like, good. <laughs> yeah. Technology is great, and yeah. it's obviously helping to preserve history, mm-hmm. but are we able to record future history on like we're recording future history right now, mm-hmm. but we're recording it to a digital mean. Mm-hmm. Um, what about a physical hard copy? Like I know for myself, I have to like mentally think, okay, I have to like print those pictures of my kids mm-hmm. because I have them just on my computer or yeah. just on my camera card or whatever it is. Um, are you, are you worried at all that we're going to lose pieces because we're so focused on the digital side and not the yes physical? Yes and no. In some ways, um, it, printing those digital photos, the quality of the paper and the inks that we're using to print maybe aren't up to what they used to be standard-wise. So actually, maybe it's not the best to print them. So it, it's hard to say. I think with standards and now more focus on um, information and preserving it, I think we're going in a good direction, but we could take everything we have and put it onto a CD only to find out now computers don't have CD um, disk yeah. drives anymore. So it's, it's, it is an ongoing battle that we hope that the professionals and leaders in the field are, are thinking about and addressing. Right. But we all can just do the best we can. And that's what we do at the archives. Actually, we do the best we can. We make sure that we're doing our due diligence to make sure we back up and migrate where we can and Hopefully, we're using um, international standards, so the technology won't necessarily change too much over right, time. For sure. So, exact, you know, Microsoft Word. What happens to the? How, will we be able to get access to that if we if Microsoft doesn't exist? You know, keep Word going. Right. Um, which is a pretty safe one to use, but there's some formats um, that now are obsolete. It's interesting to hear Shannon talk about um, the Chilliwack progress, um, the things in the digital world. Um, how we save them and how we uh, preserve them uh, through digital means, what we need to do with that. Uh, All really interesting stuff. I find it very interesting because of the bridge between past and present, how we're using uh, present technology to preserve past technology um, so that we can hold on to these these points of history um, of our community. 
how far back does issue one, edition one, where yeah. is that from? Um, I don't know the exact time of year, but 1891. 1891. The progress started. Right. Yeah. So how many, can you ballpark the figure of how many issues they've had since then? Well, I don't know how many issues, but I can tell you there's about 80,000 pages at least. Wow. So when we had um, them digitized, we were charged by the page. So that's how we, we had the pretty accurate figure of how many pages there were. Right. Yeah. And it, it was a pretty um, important project, too, in the, in, in the fact that the Tulak Progress is Canada's longest running community newspapers. So it's still in operation. Yeah. Which allowed, There's something I bet people don't know. Yes, absolutely. And it's today owned by Black Press Media. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the copyright, which allowed more issues of the paper to be online than um, than other um, newspapers can be um, because the public domain and copyright issues. So Black Press has released it to be freely accessed to the public, which is pretty, pretty um, great of them to do. Yeah, for sure. Are there any old issues that you went through that uh, you can think of that perked your interest or yeah. got you excited? Yeah, it's really cool to go through them. Um, ones of interest uh, that have to do with what's happening in the world, of course, were the war years. So it's, it's pretty um, actually informative for researchers to go through those years to see what happened to the prices of, of goods and um, what was being reported on um, about things happening overseas and then what was happening here on the home front that affected local people. Mm-hmm. So those are really interesting um, issues to go through. Um, and I always get caught on the front page where it talks about the, the local items of interest, which in a way is sort of like to you know yesterday's Twitter, where oh, it said, sure. oh, Aunt Betty Armstrong or something was, <laughs> was in town visiting today and... And how where you can buy you know your carriages this upcoming winter. So that was kind of and those are kind of neat things that distract people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so if someone wants to access those archives, how would they? Are they able to do that online? Yes, absolutely. So they can get through to them through our website or by um, directly going to the Chillout Progress newspaper and linking it on there. Um, and it's uh, I believe it's the Progress at newspapers.com. And newspapers.com is owned by Ancestry.com. And so it is a really uh, fast and efficient and accurate um, website. So you can even have an account for free and clip and post um, and share the articles that you kind of collect from there. I think it's important to know where we've come from, to know our history, know our past. It helps guide us in our, our future steps. It helps us to learn from mistakes that were made in the past. It also helps give us an idea of what we can do different. Maybe there's something that hasn't been done that can be done. I think knowing our history gives us a newfound respect for the chances and opportunities we have before us. It's interesting here to hear Shannon talk about why history and knowing history is important. Shannon, why is it? knowing the Chilliwack's history important? I think it's important to different people in different ways for different reasons. So one thing I like to think about is um, pride in one's community. So one project I'm working on is Chilliwack street names. I'm trying to make a website that has a directory of where where this street was named and why. And since I've been doing that, I I know from my perspective, when I drive by a street and I know I recognize the name and I know the family, a little bit about the family, who that was named after, that kind of gives me a sense of pride in my community. 
Um, I'm wondering if that is something that other people would share too. If our young people knew this, what building used to be on this site, that they might think twice before vandalizing it. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. That, that's some one thing that crosses my mind. We see people um, at the end of their lives, I guess you could say, where they are thinking about their own life here and their history and their time here. And what, what do they want to leave behind? What do they want to share with their grandchildren? and the young people today. And that's really special to be a part of that because you see people wanting to get things right, wanting their story told, wanting to get it down before they pass away. And right. and that's, um, that's really touching. Um, that to me reminds me of why history is important because there were people here before us. We have inherited this land and we have inherited this community. And we will pass that on to our children and grandchildren. And how can we do that in a respectful way? How can mm-hmm. we respect the work the people who were here before us have done? And how can we pass that along in a positive way for our children? Right. I think knowing what Shannon knows as the archivist of Chilliwack, I think we need to access that resource. Uh, find out more about our community because I think there will be much more admiration, much more respect, much more appreciation of of this community, of the roots of where Chilliwack came from. Can you imagine still being called Centerville? I and that that's mind boggling. I I picture Archie and Jughead walking down the street. Knowing what Shannon knows and being able to access the information of of who Chilliwack is and where Chilliwack came from will bring a lot more respect and you'll be able to see our town a lot differently. You'll be able to stand up uh, and fight for what's right and what is good in this community. So when you walk around downtown Chilliwack, mm-hmm. um, do you see things probably different than other people would? Maybe. I don't know what other people see, but... Yeah. Um, I definitely know the names of um, some of the settlers that came, um, the, the First Nations Stalo elders who've talked about different um, geographical features and what they mean, um, some of the Halkmalem words for things, um, Liliqua, if I'm saying it correctly, for Mount Shiam, it's another way of saying it, which is a transformer. Um, so every time I see Mount Shiam, I think of the story of um, Mount Baker and Mount Shiam and um, the th- I think it's the three sisters. Now I hope I'm not butchering that story, but it's a really interesting story. So it totally changes the way that I look at the mountains now. Yeah, which is yeah. maybe another great reason for, uh, like we were talking about why is knowing the history important. Mm-hmm. Um, like you look at that differently than someone that, you know, someone new to town would look at it and think, mm-hmm. wow, that's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it is an amazing view, mm-hmm. but just to have some history behind things, yeah, you just appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. part of, the best part of my job is to is to hear what people have to tell me. Um, I just feel very honored to be in a position where I people can tell me stories or bring me things, and I can do my best to keep that um, 
safe and secure for the future. So I just feel very lucky to have the job I have and meet the people I get to meet. Yeah, we have um, we have a fairly new staff, so we're really working on doing some things, some new things. And one of those new things is um, to do th- uh, new events that have to do with our current exhibits. And right now we have an exhibit on. Uh, sports history in Chilliwack called Game On. And later this month, on the 31st, we have um, partnered with Via Sport, the provincial sport agency, to have um, something called Level the Field, part of their campaign to raise awareness for women in sports. So we're inviting a panelist of female athletes to talk about um, their experiences with sport as a female in Chilliwack. And I would love to see a lot of um, our young athletes today and coaches come out to that. And that's not something you might think of the museum for, but we really want to get new audiences coming through our door. Um, you know, the stuff like you just talked about with women in sports. Mm-hmm. There is a time when I'm sure women's sports in Chilliwack was not something people wanted happening. Mm-hmm. And it was harder times for women to to play their sports um, than it is today. We're, we're very lucky we, we get the... I, I'm a female athlete, so this is one that I completely agree with. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, getting the equalized time that the boys have, for example. Yes, so for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, You're for welcome. jumping in and sharing your two bits. Well, thanks for having <laughs> me, Matt. This is great. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. So in closing, my thoughts on my conversation with Shannon. I have a lot of respect for the work and time and effort that Shannon puts into what she does. There's a lot to be learned from history. Too many of us will just turn our blinders on. We just turn them on. I don't know if it's immaturity or lack of respect or whatever it is that for some reason we turn our blinders onto the past that we refuse to look back. But I think in order for us to get ahead, to move forward, We have to look back. We have to know where we came from. You can't move forward without knowing where you've been. And there's the old adage that goes, the only thing we learn from history is that we haven't learned from history. And although I I quote that and I use it often, I, I refuse to believe it. I think that as long as I think that if we're willing to learn from history, if we're willing to to dig up the past, be Indiana Jones in our own lives, uh, we can learn where our family has come from, where our community has come from, and we can try and be willing to do something differently, be willing to put ourselves out there and to make a new path. So if you want more information about Chilliwack, the museum, the archives, Be sure to check out the link on this podcast episode. In the meantime, I'm Matthew Anthony Hawkins, and this has been another Around Town in Chilliwack podcast episode. We'll see you next time.